It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07. It is 69 degrees. It is a Saturday morning in Atlanta, and yep, it is lawn and garden. Hey, everybody, it's Walter Reeves. I am the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful in your landscape. And all you have to do if you have something that's unsuccessful is to give us a call. It's easy. You heard the number a minute ago, 404-872-0750. Dial those numbers, and... Talk to Ashley for a minute and get your call sort of straightened out as what you want to ask. And here we are to answer whatever puzzle you have in front of you. It doesn't matter if you're a first-time gardener. Last time you gardened was 20 years ago. Or if you have some strange phenomenon that you want to describe and let me know what it is. Or if you don't know the name of the plant that you're trying to ask about, that's okay. We'll figure it out. We know, I know a lot of plants and you can sometimes ask questions. It'll help you to figure what you have. And if you have a a disease or a bug or something like that, then all you have to do is give me a call, 404-872-0750. Or if you are on Twitter, log into your Twitter account and pose a question. Just put the hashtag AskWalter in your Twitter message to me, hashtag AskWalter. And Ashley will keep an eye on my Twitter account, and if we find one in there, we will read it out and answer it over the morning. So you'll get your Questions answered by Twitter or by radio. Again, 404-872-0750. And one of the things that I want to talk about is the three, three just in the past three, past four days now, email with pictures of little red bugs. Just it looks like two dozen little red bugs that look basically like a big ant, but they're not ants. You can tell they're not ants. They're big and they're red and twice to three times as big as an ant, and a bunch of them all clustered together on the underside of leaves, on the underside of a piece of um, siding on the side of a person's house. Um, these red bugs are just eye-catching because they're so bright red. So the question comes from the people who emailed me these questions and emailed me these pictures of these bugs, what the heck are these? And it's another sort of thing to file away of a bunch of insects that I did not expect to survive as well as they did have survived very well over the past mile winter. And the big red bugs turn out to be leaf-footed bugs. And leaf-footed bugs are not a good thing because they are sort of like a stink bug. They have a narrow, real narrow proboscis, real long, sort of thin straw that they use to suck juice out of plants. And mostly what the leaf-footed bugs attack are tomatoes and squash, okra, sometimes peaches, anything that has a relatively thin skin with some soft stuff inside. That's what they like. And so when the leaf-footed bugs grow into be adults, these red things go through a couple of molts and then they come into an adult and they have that big long black straw in their mouth and they just stick it through the skin of your, of your vegetables or your fruit and they suck up whatever juice they can find. It makes a big spot on the fruit, on the squash, Sometimes the spot gets infected because they were running around and didn't wash their nose before they put it down to the next fruit. They weren't very clean as they fed. And so these leaf-footed bugs are going to be pretty numerous if they're already showing up in May 
when usually I don't see them, I don't get calls or notification from anybody that they've seen them until, gee, 1st of June, it seems like. Although I know it's mid-May right now, but still, it's earlier than I thought it would be for the leaf-footed bugs. Don't want them. Big ant-like red things clustered in a couple dozen of them at one place. So that's the leaf-footed bug. But then, come to find out, there's another insect that looks very similar to the leaf-footed bug, but in this case is a beneficial insect. And they have little red, lots of them, dozens of them, but the top, the head and the thorax, the head and the chest, are black, and the back end is red. Bright, 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 red. And that is the nymphs, the babies, of the wheel bug. And wheel bugs are considered good bugs, beneficial bugs, because they eat caterpillars and aphids and things that are, generally speaking, bad for your garden. So the wheel bug larvae look pretty much, or nymphs, look pretty much the same as the, as the uh, leaf-footed bugs, but the wheel bug is a black in the front half and red in the back half. Both of them about a quarter inch or a little bit larger, maybe almost a half inch for either, each one of them, clustering right now under leaves in places where you would notice some big red things in the garden. And then a third thing, the ladybug larvae, the little orange and black alligators. And one guy said, we had a thousand of them on the side of our house. We didn't know what they were. We didn't hurt them. We didn't do anything but sort of sweep them off. But he was wondering what they are, said they had bunches of them. So the orange and black alligators of ladybug larvae are ladybug larvae, ladybug babies, and they eat aphids too. So nothing should be done about them, of course, as you wouldn't do with the, with the wheel bug because they're both beneficial insects. But it's interesting to me, just interesting to me to see these insects that hatch out in unexpected times and sometimes in unexpected places and in unexpected, unexpected numbers too. And we'll deal with them as they go on through the summer. Ha! Ah, great stuff. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, let's go to the phones. we got lots of people calling in right now who know the number, 404-872-0750. First call, down in Griffin, Georgia. I have somebody I know named Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Miss Ari. How are you? Fine, you? I'm pretty darn well. It was a really pleasant week for me. I wasn't too hot and I wasn't too cold, and it was nice to be outside. Did you work all day? A little bit. Mostly the work was watering. I made sure that all the things I planted two weeks ago still get water because they haven't established yet. So I got my watering done most every day. Um, you think we're going to have a problem this summer? Oh, Nicole, I don't want to say the words. Okay, okay. We're not going to talk about <laughs> I don't that. want to say the words. Uh, I went to take a walk in the blackberry uh, patch, yeah. the wild one in the woods. <laughs> no blackberry this year. Really? Did they get, did they get frozen? Well, there's none, and they came and took the big wood, so I changed the environment big uh, time. Uh. But I came back with tick, Mr. Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Another insect that might have overwintered very nicely. Tick, sure. Oh, everywhere I had probably a five or six. Then the next morning I took a bath. Another shower, I took a bath. Yeah. And it's still stuck there. Oh, uh. man. Oh, yeah, it just, it's, this year is going to be incredible. I, the, and the mild winter, in this case, is, I think, to blame for it. And there's not a lot of, I guess, increase in fire ants, because fire ants just reproduce so rapidly. But ticks, if they don't freeze during the wintertime, there they are, right, waiting to take a little ride on you when you walk through the woods. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, how many times did you cut the grass last year? Last year, I cut the, me personally cut yeah. the grass? Yeah. None. 
swear I've cut mine twice. <laughs> <laughs> but the little boys down the street that I hire to cut my grass, they cut it every two weeks, every well, 10 days usually. But the little boys down the street that mow my grass, they mowed it a lot last year. Um, Do they have an irrigation system? No, 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 no. But we, I have St. Augustine grass lawn, and the, the, we fertilized, I'm thinking, three weeks ago. It was just before one of the rains. I was so proud of myself for getting the fertilizer out before it rained. And it rained, and the grass is just coming right up out of the ground. You can hear it grow. And I call the boys and say, hey, y'all want to come down and mow? Sure, Mr. Reeves. So they come on down and mow. Because I only cut one time uh, so far, the good grass, not the weed. Right. I only cut once. So uh, it's it's pretty uh, slow, but we yeah. don't have the... But anyway, yeah. uh, I have those uh, canna lily, the yeah, black ones. sure, one. sure, sure. Oh, sure. I got many, many mystery. I love cannas. They're a great plant. It's because they show and they have, they give you the height. You know, that you need here and there and everywhere. And the color, too. I think, are remarkable because you have the regular plain green that we've had for 100 years, and then you have the green and white variegated leaves, and then you have those purple-red, which are really interesting leaves that come up, too, of different varieties of canna. So you can use them in different places if you need something just green as a backdrop or something colorful as a backdrop with you know flowers in front of them. They have the, the red foliage. Great plant. Yeah, I have a them, but where I go, they come, they come back every year, but this man's got some alongside the water, and they don't have no worm. It's because we don't give the, enough, enough moisture, you think? Now, now, what did you say? Who's, who has it beside the water? This man that I go, uh, he, 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 they live on the lake, uh-huh. and those canna, they come back every year. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have the worm, you know, the worm that spit out and Put the canna leaf all together. Oh, the leaf leaf roller. Yeah, ah. leaf roller. What yeah. do we do with those? Well, as a matter of fact, I can tell you something based on Miss Ashley Frasca in the other room here. About two, three weeks ago now, Ashley had her little cannas in front of the house that had just unrolled the first leaf. And the first leaf on her canna had big bite marks in it. And she said, what's going on? What chewed up my canna? And I did a lot of looking around to see how to identify which bug had done it. And it turned out it was the canna leaf roller, just as you're talking about. And I found out that there are two of them. There's the larger canna leaf roller and the lesser canna leaf roller. And so right now, if they roll it up real tight and there's lots of caterpillar poop inside, that is the lesser canna leaf roller. And if they simply roll it up and don't have any poop inside, that is a larger canna leaf roller. So when we unfold the leaves, do we get the the worm? You should. You should just, you know, a couple of worms in there for the lesser roller, which I think is the most common one. Just flip them out where the birds can find it. Let them eat it. But it's not a mistake to let them down. They're not crawling back up. No, no, no. They won't crawl back up. They're not very mobile. Okay. They got their eggs were laid by their mother on the leaf, and they hatch out and roll the leaf up together to provide shelter. And then once you unroll it with your thumb and flip them out where the birds can get it, they cannot get back up into the into the plant. Because I'm thinking those are aquatic plants, isn't it? Well, they're semi-aquatic. Canna can take a lot of moisture, and uh, I think that's next to a lake, as you point out. I think that'd be a great place for them. 
Well, they don't have no no worm there because I'm thinking the the plants get enough moisture to maybe, defend it. Maybe yeah. so, maybe yeah. so. Some years are good for the canna leaf roller. We have hardly any anywhere, and then some years I get lots of calls. Canna, my cannas are all rolled yeah. up tight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we gotta got to think about the tragedy that happens in gardeners' lives. Their cannas don't look so good. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful talking to you, Nicole. i got to go, but it's great talking to you this morning. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We'll see you soon at 618 at News Talk WSB. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. It's 625 and 68 degrees. Partly cloudy this afternoon. Highs today in the mid-70s, I think. Overnight scattered showers. And then tomorrow, pretty much most of the same. Mid-70s, getting a little bit warmer. Probably a little high 70s tomorrow into the 80s. And partly cloudy overnight. Chance of showers, though, every day. So we'll look out for that as we come along. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We come now with Mariana in Atlanta, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mariana, hey, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you? How can I get rid of Creeping Charlie? I have fescue in my yard. Uh, <sighs> it came in maybe a couple years or so yeah. ago. Probably three. Oh boy, I didn't pay any attention. Right. Now you, it's just about taking over half my yard. You take you take two helpful tracks, I guess you would say, two different methods. You do both of them together will control it, but doing one by itself won't control Creeping Charlie. And here are the two. Number one, always make sure your fescue is fertilized absolutely nicely and fully in the fall, winter, and early spring. So at least it should be fertilized in September, another time in hopefully November, another time of fertilizing in uh, February, and then a fourth one if you need to in April. But I want that fertilized, that fescue growing really, really, really fast because it can help a lot to choke out and not leave any bare spots that Creepy Charlie can, can creep into. And the second one, just to get ahead of it the first time, is to spray with one of the what are called broad-spectrum, broadleaf herbicides. I'll give you some brand names if you, if you like. Uh, there's Bayer. Bayer in the blue bottle has Bayer season-long weed control. Spray that on the, on the uh, weeds with a hose-in sprayer. And there's uh, the Bonide Weed Beater Ultra that Pike sells. It's real good. Bonide Weed Beater Ultra. And then the uh, Ortho Weed Be Gone Max. All three of those have good, solid, broadleaf weed control ingredients in them. And they'll control Creeping Charlie as long as you do your part and make sure the fescue is really growing rapidly. The best best herbicide you can have is a good, healthy green lawn that chokes out weeds all by itself. There you go, Mariana. That's what you have to do. It's 627 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 635, 68 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful and to bring a little happiness into your life on Saturday morning as well. I mean, the show brings happiness into my life. Seeing Ashley brings happiness into my life. Jason Byers even brings happiness into my life. We're some happy, happy people here. We want to bring a little bit to you as well. If you need a little happy garden, answer 404-872-0750. And Jeff has been waiting patiently for us in Powder Springs, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man, what you got? So we have triple canopy trees in our yard, so we only have uh, one tomato plant. Uh-huh. And the tomato plant is yellowish white leaves at the bottom kind of working their way up toward the top of the plant any spots on the leaf or they just sort of turn yellowish white and fall off oh they haven't fallen off Walter they're just kind of whitish yellowish then you said you had trees back there so how much sunshine and how much shade is the tomato getting well we moved the plant around during the day we've got into the pot so we moved around smart guy Lord God, that's exactly what you need to do. How big is the pot? Real big, little big, little bitty thing, or what? It's medium size. It's a plastic pot with a, a, a cage that goes up the side. Okay. Check and make sure. Let me give you a couple of things to check on just to be sure you're doing the right thing. Number one, make sure that when you water it, you don't get it really, really mucky, soggy, and that you never let it dry out completely. Uh, if you go on vacation for a weekend, don't do that because the tomatoes in pots always are plagued with getting too much water and too little water and too much water and too little water, and they end up having fruit that has blossom end rot on it, which you, you know, could have if you keep on, you know, going back and forth with the dry and wet. If you should do that, um, but it doesn't sound like a disease unless you're seeing spots on the leaves. It's possibly something in the root system that you won't won't trouble you after a while. So my temptation, I guess, Jeff, is to say, leave it alone, let's wait another week and call me next Saturday. Because I don't see okay. anything majorly wrong with it as long as it doesn't have spots on the leaves. It may be some environmental root, stem, something going on down there. Is the pot dark or white color? What color is the pot? It's uh, kind of a brownish, medium brown. You know something I'll tell you to do right now that you could do that'll help later on in the summer? Figure a way to either wrap the pot in anything white, aluminum foil, if you want to be tacky about it. But you could do anything that you want to to make sure that the soil in the pot doesn't heat up during the day when the sun is shining on it. Because that is one thing that will stop the growth of a tomato in its tracks. They hate having hot roots. And so if there's some way to either shade it or wrap it or do something, and just make that little project in your mind to get done in the next week or so. Okay, well, thank you, Walter. All right, Jeff. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. And we'll talk to Jeff next Saturday to see if he has any other problems with it. Ralph is in Ella J. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? Doing fine. What's going on? Well, we're up here in Ella J, my wife and I, and we noticed the other day uh, we have natural wood chips that we had uh, put out, yeah. and there was like this yellow, yellowish mold growing on it. Yeah. And it just, like, popped up out of nowhere, and it's, like, mushy. I was wondering <laughs> if you knew anything about that. Yeah, my wife stepped in it. So. Mushy. Yeah, it's mushy. Gross. Uh, well, those of my listeners who are eating right now might stop for just a moment before you put your spoon in your mouth. Uh, it's called dog vomit slime mold. Ew, dog vomit 
slime mold. My yeah. wife's with me right now, so I'm repeating it so we're not on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> it is unfortunately it is not where a dog went, but yeah. there that's this particular slime mold is really common on wood chips. It is not uh. an unusual thing for people who have a pile of chips or maybe it's just redwood chips underneath the shrubbery or something like that to see this mold bloom out is the best way to describe it. It just comes out pretty rapidly when it's moist and then after a day in the sunshine you'll notice Ralph that it will just dry up and be nothing but black uh, dust there which will blow away I guess in the wind and it only blooms or it only comes out in this yellow, spongy, icky form when you have the perfect nighttime temperatures, perfect daytime humidity, perfect daytime uh, temperatures. And so you may not see it again this whole summer long, or you may see it every week. It's just hard wow. to predict, but that's what it is. Dog vomit slime mold. Dog One last question, Walter. Um, our blueberries, Yeah. it had like a moth on them last year, uh, and they like laid eggs in there on our blueberries that looked like a little moth, a little brown moth. Yeah. Um, what would you do to treat them? The easiest and most, most organic insecticide is called spinosad. And rather than tell you anything more about spinosad, I will say the brand name is the only one I can find. It's called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Captain and Jack, Captain okay. Jack's dead bug. We just remember Captain Jack will come bring your blueberries back. <laughs> so uh, get your Captain Jack and spread on the blueberries whenever you feel like insects are going to be a problem, and that uh, that kills the moth and kills the worms that are eating the blueberries. Uh, awesome, awesome. Listen, you have a great week. All awesome. right, bye bye now. You do, Ralph. See you soon. Great. You sir. Forty-one minutes past the hour gives. That was funny, wasn't it? Yeah, it was sort of funny. Dog, I have pictures of that. I show it to master gardeners all the time. I just love the reaction when they see this yellow, foamy stuff just bleh, boiling up out of the wood chips. That's exactly what it looks like in the first place, but what it is in the second place. Mike is in Dallas, Georgia, and here he is on the air with us. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, Walt. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. What you got? Um, I'm getting ready to go down to see my friend Mickey over there at uh, Pike. Yeah. And I got a question for you. I have some hot goods that I've had for a few years. Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful plants. They're growing good. Can I, like, split them and, you know, transplant them myself? How tall, big, wide, how big are the leaves? Tell me more, Mike. Yeah, they're, they're pretty big. You know, every year they get pretty big. Yeah. I'm tempted. It's right on the edge right now being a little late to be dividing hosta. The best time to divide them was back when the leaves were first coming up out of the ground, which was this year sometime in February. Um... If you just have to, because you feel like, I've got to get these split up, and I need to move some broadleaf things over to this part of the landscape, I need something else. This, I can split my hosta and use them in both places. You can, but I will tell you to be very careful not to do much root damage to each half. If you split, if you have half uh, one plant and half the other plant, just be careful not to damage the roots very much. Be very careful to just slice them apart so you don't just rip it everything apart. And plant them and be pretty attentive to watering. Keep an eye on the leaves. If they start drooping at the ends, then it's time to water the hosta so it doesn't dry out as it uh, is growing another root system. But yeah, you could you could divide okay. them now if you're careful. Okay, great. Now I've got one more question for you. What's that? We bought some blueberry plants that were that are producing, and my wife wants to put them in big pots. Okay. Can they can they grow in pots? Yeah, it's a big pot. It can't be a yeah. little bitty pot. But I would say uh, mm, something comparable to a half of a whiskey barrel would be big enough for a blueberry. 
that said, it'd be great to prune it every once in a while to make sure it doesn't get really big. Because some of the blueberry varieties, Mike, they get six feet tall, five feet wide, and that is okay. not going to fit into a half whiskey barrel. On the other oh. hand, if during the uh, fall, after you have the blueberry fruit has been harvested, if you pinch the ends of the branches every once in a while just to keep it from getting too big and too tall, then you can okay. keep it at a size of three, three and a half feet high and a couple of feet wide, and that would be about the right size that you want in a half whiskey barrel. Okay, well, thank you very much, sir. Nothing to it. Day. Nothing to it, Mike. Thanks for calling again. Right. 44 minutes past the hour, and Mark... Mark's in Smyrna, and let's join Mark and see what he has to say. Hey, Mark, good morning. Hey there, Walter. Good morning. What you got? So I take pride in taking care of my own yard, not paying anybody else to spray or anything. I yeah. follow your Bermuda schedule. Yeah. And I put down one of those uh, treatments for weeds with a hose. Yeah. And I pretty much killed everywhere I spread it. Oh, man. Yeah. And it for some reason, it, it didn't matter on one half of the yard, I think, because... I didn't mow it for a while, uh -huh. and in the front, I mowed it two days later, and it browned out everything pretty badly. So it's been a week or two, and I've got my wife's family coming in town in about a month, so she would rather not have it be brown, but I'm trying to see if there's anything I can do. Do I need to go get sod or tear it up and plant some seeds under it, yeah. one of those patch things? What do I do? Uh, I will note that there are some of the weed control products do say something like do not use in very hot weather do not use in certain conditions because it will make the grass turn yellow and bermuda is one of the grasses that turns yellow they do get yeah. pretty uh, pretty affected by how it's applied and when it's applied that sort of thing so yeah if you get down on your hands and knees can you see any of the uh, uh green bermuda growing or is it completely dead to the ground dead in some spots, it's very, very thin, but in a lot of spots, it's totally dead. You can pull the roots right up, and it's gone. Okay. Well, you go the fast route with sod, the fast and expensive route with sod, or you go the slow and probably won't be sprouted by the time your friends get into town with seed. It's more, more, less expensive, more inexpensive. So you and the wife look at your wallet and say... What are we going to do, honey? Are we going to put sod down or are we going to put seed down? I'm not sure the seed will be green by the time the people come to town. Okay. And if you do seed, what do you, you just like poke holes and then pour some seed in like a no, aerator you, type thing? Yeah, you get a, an aerator would be great. An aerator would be terrific to go out there and roughen up the soil real good. And frankly, if you wanted to do just as fast as possible to do it, I would get a rake. You just go out there and rake, 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 rake. Just make the soil really rough and lots of grooves in it from the rake tines. Spread the seed very thinly. It'll say on the label how many pounds of seed per thousand square feet. So spread it very thinly and then go back afterward and take the rake with the backside. The tines will be upward and just the backside of the rake. It sort of smooths the, the ground in so that the seeds are in really good seed to soil um, contact. And when they really touch each other nicely and you water, they're much faster to germinate than if the seeds are just right, right on the top of the, of the soil. So you try to get okay. them a little bit covered with the rake and the, patting it down with the back of the rake and then water it appropriately to get it to come up. Do you put dirt over top of it? You don't have to. That's why the, the rake idea, put, use the back of the rake to sort of smooth things down. That gets the seeds okay. in good contact that way. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good luck with it. Better luck next time. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you soon, Mark.
Thanks for calling. 647 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Rain chances today just 20%, but the high 88 degrees tomorrow. Showers, storms likely high of 82, low 69 tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. On Twitter, we get questions on Twitter this morning. Remember, you can send me a message, ask Walter, hashtag ask Walter. Ash- Ashley, what has been asked of Walter? Um, on Twitter, Whirly Bird sent you a question, uh, says, Walter, about a homemade weed killer. I've heard vinegar, dish soap, and either table salt or Epsom salt. The recipes go either way. Which one's correct? Neither, because honestly, you'll get more damage to your plants. And I know there's it's, it's marketed as a herbicide, not marketed, but just passed around over the fence from neighbor to neighbor as a herbicide. But you'll get more damage to the soil from the salt that's in there. And usually people will, like you said, use either table salt or Epsom salt, but more likely table salt. And the salt in the mixture makes the soil not grow anything for a while. I mean, nothing that you plant there is going to grow where the salt has been. And the dish detergent sometimes can strip off the waxes on the leaves, like a, well, like anything would strip the waxes off the leaf, but it just is, it's not a great idea, I think, to spray dish, dish detergent and the chemicals in the things are in it. It's not the same as a, so- as a soap, remember. Dish detergents are not the same as a ivory soap you use on your hands, and they're a little more caustic to plants than you really would like to spray in a garden. So all these homemade formulas, I don't think they're nearly as effective as using either herbicidal soap, and there is such a thing. You can buy it. It's called herbicidal soap, or using one of the other, more if you want an organic thing, there's one called natria that is a um, iron Material and iron on broadleaf plants makes them shrivel up and die, but a lot of it on them. And for grasses, it makes the grasses grow like green, great, wonderful. So the iron herbicides can actually kill broadleaf plants in lawn without hurting the grass. So, did you say herbicidal soap? Herbicidal soap, yeah. And the way that you can see it say on the label herbicidal soap, or it'll say something like uh, ammoniated salts of fatty acids. When it says ammoniated salts of fatty acids, that says that is a herbicidal soap. And the way it works is much like a detergent, but it's a lot, in my view, safer to use a commercial product than it is to use something you mix up in the sink that could have all sorts of things that might have more lasting damage than you really expect for them. I'm a real strong believer. Get the commercial insecticidal soap. Get the commercial herbicidal soap. Don't try to mix up the stuff on your own because I think they can be problems. Thank you. You're welcome. Put it on Twitter. Tell them all we said hey. It's 6.56 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.